today we're going to tackle one of the toughest concepts that we've dealt with in this series. So I, I need you to bear with me for about the first 15 minutes as I go through Bible passages and explain them. Then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty and apply it, and then when we apply it, I think it'll make huge sense is my, is my concept, is what I'm praying for today. So, but the first part of it, we've got to struggle a little bit because we're going to wrestle with some pretty difficult passages in Romans, some tough ones to understand. I'm going to do my best to explain them as they give us a foundation to apply it. So if you go, whoa, you lost me at like that word, just hang in there, okay? Uh, the, the biblical concept we're going to talk about this morning is the concept of justification, all right? Now, let me give you an elementary version definition of the word. Justification is the idea of it's just as if I had never sinned. So that's like the most basic idea behind it. And we're going to talk this morning about the whole concept of our sin and God's righteousness and how it goes to us and how our sin gets taken care of and all that. We're going to go through all of that this morning. And then we're going to talk about how it makes a difference in the way you and I should live today, tomorrow, and for the rest of the week and the rest of our lives. All right? So with that in mind, Romans chapter 3, and rather than put the whole passage up, I put up chunks and we'll walk through it step by step by step so that um, we kind of build one upon another. So here's the first one. God has to make a way for us to be right with him, okay? Because our sin separates us from God. So God's got to make a way for us to be right with him. So here at Romans chapter 3, here's where it says, we're going to kind of walk through this. But God has a way to make people right with him. Oh, I'm losing, I don't know what's going on. Uh, without, the, without the law and the prophets, and he has shown us that way, which the law and the prophets told us about. God makes people right with himself through their faith, in Christ Jesus. So, here's what he does. He says, all right, the law and the prophets couldn't do it. The Old Testament couldn't do it. So God had to come up with a way to, make, to make, get it so that people could be right with him. All right? That's what Romans 3 talks about. He goes on to say this. It's going to keep cutting out my verses, too, I think. Keep, uh, this is true for all who believe in Christ. Uh, because, i got to read it out of here now. Because all people are the same. All have sinned and are not good enough for God's glory. All need to be made right with God by His grace, which is a free gift. They need to be made free from sin through Jesus Christ. So here's what he says. He says, all right, God's got to make a way for, for him to be right, so here's what he's going to do. He's going to give him a gift. He's going to offer him a gift. That gift is Jesus Christ. And through Christ, they can be made righteous. All right? Now he goes on. Here's what he says. God gave him as a way to forgive sin um, through faith um, in the blood of Jesus' death. This showed that God always does what is right and fair, and in the past, he was patient. He didn't punish people for their sins. And God gave Jesus to show today that he does what is right. God did this so he could judge rightly and that he could make right any person who has faith in him. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, here's what God did. God had to set up a way because God's righteous, God's got to set up a way. God can't just look at it and go, you know what, sin's no big deal. No, 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 sin's a big deal. So he's got to make it right somehow. And he says, you know what, here's the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it through Jesus Christ. And he goes on. Um, it, in Romans chapter 4, uh, here's what he says. Or Romans chapter 5, here's what he says. <laughs> Therefore, since we have been, here's our word, justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He said, look, in order to be made right with God, it's got to happen through Jesus Christ. And through Christ we have peace with God. Then he goes on to say this. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. In other words, those of you who work this week, you put in your 40 hours or your whatever your deal was, you got a paycheck, okay? Did your boss come to you and say, now look, I have this gift for you. And here's a gift for your work this week. No. No, no, no. You, you went to your boss and said, look, I put in 40 hours, X dollars per hour. This is what my paycheck should be. You have an obligation to give that to me because I earned it, right? Now, some of you, you know, you earned it, right? Many of you, you earned more than they gave you, but you earned it. You worked for it. This is what he said. He said, look, when you do work, you don't look at your paycheck as a gift. You look at it as, I earned it. I deserve that. You owed that to me. I said, now look, here's the thinking. You can do righteousness the same way if you want. You can say, look, God, I'm going to earn my way to heaven. I'm going to work, and at the end, I want you to give me what I deserve. Paul says, look, if you want to do that, fine. If you want to try to work your way to heaven and you want to earn your way to heaven, go take a shot at it. But he's already told us in Romans chapter 3, all of sin had come short of the glory of God. God's standard is here. And no matter how hard you work, you're always going to come short. You're always going to fall short. You can't, because you know what God's standard is? God's standard is no sin. Not a little sin, or one sin, or one sin a day, or one sin a week. God's, God's standard is no sin. That's righteousness. Anything short of that, anything less than that, is not going to make it. But if you want to try it, just like work, you work all week, at the end of it you get what you deserve, you're going to go all through life working your way to heaven, and at the end God's going to give you exactly what you deserve. And you're going to fall short. Or, notice what he says. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. He said, or you got this shot. You can simply trust God, and his righteousness will be put onto your account. You can do it either way. You can try to work your way there, or you can just simply trust God. And God will credit to you, credit it to you, for righteousness. He said, that's your call. That's your choice. And that's what Paul argues. That's what the book of, of Romans uh, deals with. It's about that idea of righteousness and justification. So he says, you have a shot with it. Now, let me take a quick little rabbit trail here for a second. In the Bible, we have two ideas that often in some Bible churches get confused. And we don't want to make sure we don't confuse them. There is what we call in theology justification or salvation. Okay? When I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it's a one-time thing. It's a one-time thing where I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and that's my confidence, that's my assurance for heaven. There is another thing that we give the fancy term sanctification to. What that means is that's Christian life. 
It's the way we live the Christian life. Um, the Bible would argue it this way. Um, in Romans chapter 5, it says we have peace with God. That's salvation. God's no longer my enemy. He is now my, my heavenly father. He is now my savior. That's peace with God. If I get up every day and trust God and live according to God's word, I have the peace of God. That's a daily thing. That's a one-time thing. This is a daily thing. This is about what I do. This is about my, my faith and trust in Christ is what I do to be saved. I come to a point where I recognize I'm a sinner. I come to a point where I recognize I need a Savior. I ask God to forgive me of my sin. I ask God to come into my heart. I ask God to be my Lord and Savior. This is how I become a Christian. We call that salvation. Justification happens at that moment. God makes it just as if I'd never sinned. We're going to talk about that. Over here is what I do because I'm a Christian. That's sanctification. I don't do it. I don't, I don't, I don't pray in order to be a, become a Christian. I mean, I don't pray every day in order to become a Christian. I don't give in order to become a Christian. I don't, I don't um, um, you know, love other people to become a Christian. I do that because I am a Christian. This is a result of that act. We call that sanctification. Be careful you don't confuse the two and blend them into one. There are people who go, well, you know, if you're a Christian, you've got to do this, 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 and this, this. No, no. If you're a Christian, you should do that because you're a Christian. You don't do that to become a Christian. Make sure you don't blur those two, okay? So we have justification. We have the idea of sanctification. We have the idea of how I become a Christian. We have the idea of what I do because I am a Christian, all right? So let's understand this idea of, 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 of righteousness because here's what God does. God, in the Old Testament, and we've talked about this, the people are wondering, how do I become righteous? What is righteous? And in our minds, here's what we do. Because you've heard people say this. When you ask them, are you a Christian? You know what they say? Yeah. Why? Well, I do good stuff. I'm better than my neighbor. Or I'm better than so-and-so. You've never heard anybody go, you know what? Yeah, I, I, think, I think I'm righteous because, you know, I mean, Mother Teresa, Franklin, Graham, and I, I mean, it's a close race every day as far as who can do better, you know. I mean, that's a close one, but I'm up there with those, with those, those people. And you don't hear that. You know, they always go, I'm better than my neighbor. I'm better than so-and-so. You know, you never compare yourself to somebody who's better. You always compare yourself to somebody worse because that's the attitude. When righteousness, we want to know what the standard is. At what standard am I righteous? And so God in the Old Testament sets up the law. And he says, you want to know what the standard is? Here's the standard. The Ten Commandments are a good reflection of it. Okay? And, and the Jews adopted that and went, okay, you know what? Hey, look, we're going to keep the commandments. We're righteous. And Jesus came along and went, no, 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 no. No, no, Let me explain to you. The whole adultery thing, it's not just about the act of adultery. If you even look at a woman, it's a heart thing. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what? The whole murder thing? Oh, great. Yeah, you haven't killed anybody, but you know what? If you hate somebody, you're not righteous. And God came along, Jesus came along, and he went, let me, tell you, let me explain to you what righteousness is. Here's the standard. It's up here. 
No one reaches it unless they are sinless. No one. And so God, as a judge, goes, okay, you know what? That's the standard. Now, when you, in the Old Testament, the whole idea of, of a judge and righteous is with the idea of, of when you were condemned, when you were guilty, you had two choices. You paid for it or somebody paid for it for you. Somebody could take your place. Somebody could substitute in for you. If you were assigned to go to jail for 20 years, they, I mean, they didn't do it that way, but if you were assigned to go to jail for 20 years, somebody could go for you. Or you had to pay for it. It's really simple. The judge couldn't just look at you and go, you know what, no big deal. Why? Because the standard was the same for everybody. That was the whole concept. That's, by the way, in our culture, that's what gets us so upset. Is when we watch our, our government judge one thing one way and, and another, another group another way. And we get upset with that. Because it's like it's a double standard thing. And God said, no, no, here's the standard. It's the same for everybody. And here's, here's, here's righteousness. You either get there or you don't. If you're going to try to make it on your own, work for it, you're always going to fall short. So what God does is God says, all right, sin has to be judged. Now, <laughs> you can pay for it on your own. You can earn your way. You can do all that. You can do that, and you're going to fall short. But you can give it a shot if you want. Your eternal destiny depends on it, but you can give it a shot if you want. Or you can trust Jesus. And he says, I will transfer your sin to him and his righteousness to you. I'll swap it. You decide. It's a gift. Can't earn it. You decide what you want to do with it. Now, I've gone all of that. Thank you for bearing with me. I lost myself a little while ago, but we're back together here now. <laughs> let me illustrate it, because this is hard to understand. Okay, let me illustrate it. And, and it's crude, but I think it'll work. Um, let's say, let's go back to when my wife and I were dating. And um, so a long time ago, we're dating, and I asked her to marry me. And we're going through marriage counseling, and we're talking about money. And so we get done talking to the pastor, and we, get, we go out to eat one night, and we're sitting there, and my wife goes, look, honey, I, I, you know, I haven't told it you to this point. I've been really hesitant to say something, but I, I, I got a secret. I got to let you know. And I go, oh, what is it? She said, well, she said, I got in a lot of credit card debt, and I got in a lot of school debt, and I owe about $250,000 in debt. I just want, I think before we get married, you should know that. And then I look at her and I say, well, I say, look, I got a secret too that I, I, I should probably tell you. You don't know it, but I am a world-renowned glass artist. And my pieces, I, am, I commission pieces all over the world. And my beginning price for a commission piece is $500,000. I have three factories overseas. And right now we are in the process of working on a total of about 22 projects. I don't tell anybody that because I don't want somebody to marry me for my money. But honey... Your $250,000 is not that big a deal. That's really pocket change in my world. Now, my wife's going, where is this guy? I want to meet him. Um, no, I mean, you know. And so we get married. Now, let me ask you a question now. I've got, I'm a multimillionaire. She's got $250,000 in debt. 
And when we get married and we combine her liability with my assets, what happens to her debt? Gone. So we get married the day after our wedding. I call overseas to my banker guy and I say, hey, look, here's what I want you to do. Bring up my wife's credit report. I said, I want you to cut a check to every one of her debtors. I want her to be debt-free completely. And she has struggled so much with finances for so long. Here's what I want to do. Go ahead and every day, I want you to pull $5,000 out of my account. I want you to put it into her account. Every day that she's alive, put $5,000 in. My wife's going, I want to meet this guy. Um, (laughs) So every day after we're married, my wife, She's got $5,000 going in her account. Just for being alive, every week she gets thirty-five grand. Okay? Just for being alive. Okay? Now, that's our world. Everybody follow the story so far? Now, you're her friend. Okay? And you have been her friend for a long time. So you go out to eat with her on a regular basis. And so you are going out to eat, and you, don't, you know that she's married into money now. And she's sitting out at the table and stuff like that. And she looks at the menu and she orders the absolute cheapest thing on the menu. And you look at her and go, look, you know, I know you love lobster. Why aren't you getting lobster? And she goes, you know what? I don't have any money. And you go, what do you mean you don't have any money? I don't, I don't have any money. And you go, well, I mean, come on. I, your husband makes a, a gob of money. You don't have any money. I don't, I don't have any money. And you look down at her shoes, and the same shoes she wore for the last 20 years, and they got holes in them. You go, let's go get you a new pair of shoes. She goes, I'd, I'd love to, but I don't have any money. Now, here's my question. You're her friend. What are you thinking about me at this moment? What a jerk. And you fume over it for a couple weeks, and then one day you come to me, and you go, hey, why aren't you taking care of your wife? I said, what do you mean why I'm taking care of her? She doesn't have any money. And I go, what do you mean she doesn't have any money? I'm giving her $5,000 a day. And they go, what? But I've been out to eat with her. I've been shopping with her. She doesn't spend any money. All she does is complain about all the money she doesn't have. And I go, no, no, you don't get it. I'm giving her $5,000. she has got more money than she's ever had. And all of a sudden now, your perspective changes about her and about me. Okay? Now let me bring it all home for a minute. That's exactly what happened when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He took your small debt with his riches and swapped. And every day, he gives you riches untold. But some of you who are believers, still want to hang on to all of the gunk from the past. And you want to live like you don't have any riches. You don't have any money. You don't have any stuff. You would be, and, and here's what's happened. Your friends, they don't want anything to do with your God because they think your God is not taking care of you. Because your God, you don't, you can't, You can't look at a crisis and go, you know what? God will take care of me here. You can't look at at your money situation and go, God's going to take care of me here. It'll be okay. You're you're whining, griping, and complaining like everybody else in the world that doesn't have the riches in Christ. 
You're focused all the time on how bad you are, or how horrible your, 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 your background is, or all the things that you've done wrong, and, 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 and why God can't use you. And, and in your head, you're living like a debtor. When you've got all these riches that have been put to your account every single day, because you have been justified, my friend. You have been given the righteousness of Christ. Your sin was taken care of, paid in full, and every day God dumps a ton of blessings into your life, but you still want to go around and go, I ain't got no money. You know, I don't understand how, you know, I struggle with, does God really love me? Because my life is so hard. God's dumped so much in your corner. But you're not, you're not accessing it. You're not understanding it. You're not enjoying it. You know, I'd be like my wife, and I finally come to my wife, I go, what are you telling all your friends you don't have any money for? I've been giving you $5,000 every day. Yeah, I know. Well, what's the deal? My wife looks at me and goes, well, I forgot my PIN number. And I go, honey, we're going to go get a tattoo. I'm going to tattoo it on your hand so you never forget it, you know? I, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help her to understand how to access all the riches that she has. And that may be a process. And it's going to take some time for her to figure out, you can't afford the lobster. You can go get a new pair of shoes. And she looks at me and goes, well, you know, I just don't need anything. Great. Then, honey, you start giving it away. And every day you cut a check to somebody else who can use it. Because it's yours. Do with it what you want. But every day I'm doing this for you because I love you. And God does the same thing for us. Some of you need to understand and embrace this. There are some of you in here that you think you can earn your way to heaven. And I'm sad. I mean, I'm here to tell you with, with as, as kindly as I can tell you, you're going to fall short. If you could get to heaven any other way than by trusting in Christ, believe me, Jesus would have never gone to the cross because he wouldn't have to. He went to the cross because it was the only way. And anyone who will not put their faith and trust in Christ is going to stand before God with their righteousness, and it will not be enough. So I beg you, if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, please do. For those of you that have put your faith and trust in Christ, listen to me. You need to understand God is taking care of your past. You need to understand that God is taking care of all of the gunk in your life that you keep focusing on. And you need to move on. And you need to stop living with that mindset of God can't use me. I'm no good. I'm horrible. I'm whatever. I'm blah, blah, blah. I don't have any money. I can't buy anything. I, not when you have the riches of Christ put to your account every single day. Well, I don't know how to access it. Then get with somebody and learn how to. Learn how to be able to get up every day and say, Lord, I don't know how I'm getting through this day. But all I know is whatever comes down my road, my, my path today, is not taking you by surprise. It's not anything, Lord, that, 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 that you can't help me with. And you're not going to give me anything more today than I can handle. I know that. So, Lord, help me today. Help me today. And, Lord, when I'm tempted to gripe and complain, 
Help me to handle it in a way that a Christian would handle it and reflect you and not everything else going on out there. When everybody else is complaining about the boss, help me to stand up for him. When that waitress or that cashier is slower than molasses, and, you know, a, a, a great example Friday. Um, we were at the park, and I, I walked by a sign that said euros, so it was a God thing. Um, <laughs> I walked past the one that said ice cream. That was a God thing, too, and the icy thing. That was a God thing. But, I, I mean, the, the euro thing was a God thing. I love euros, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to get a euro. I stand like, honestly, in my entire life, I have never seen anybody as slow as this person taking the money. That was her only job, take the money and get the drink. And I mean, I mean, I mean we're standing in line, it's hot, and she'd take one deal, and she'd go, and she'd get the drink, and then she'd get back. And it's like, you know, I, I almost wanted to jump in there and say, hey, honey, wait on two people at the same time. But that's kind of in the back line as we got closer and closer and closer, and I watched more and more and more and more and more. And then I see her little name tag. I see she's only been doing it for a year. She looked like she was like 18 or whatever else. As they get closer and I start watching her, and then as she talks to me, I realized she's special needs. It was like God went boom. <laughs> then I felt horrible. And then she forgot my drink. She forgot my drink, and she waited on somebody else, and she forgot my drink, and, I, and I, I stuck my head in. I think her name was Carissa, and I stuck my head in, and I said, hey, I said, did you forget my drink? She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, look, look, wait, wait, no big deal. I said, it's no big deal, honey. I said, whenever you got time, <laughs> you know? I mean, no, it's like, no big deal, man, you know? Because believe me, I'm feeling like this high now. And I'm thinking, what a great company that would employ and give her that opportunity. And what an idiot this pastor is who has no compassion because he's in such a hurry to get his euro. You know? And it's just one of those ways where God, God went, look, 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 look. It's not about you. It's not about you. There's a bigger thing at work here. And believe me, my attitude from the back of the line to the front of the line changed dramatically. Because then I realized, wait a minute, this is an opportunity for ministry, man. This is an opportunity for ministry. And I want to challenge you, because some of you, you, you're not realizing what you have put to your account every single day. And it would be like my wife running around here complaining, now she, does, she can, but that she doesn't have any money, but that's if I was a multimillionaire, okay? Um, you get the analogy, you get, the, you get what I'm talking about here. And I just see Christians doing that all the time, and I'm thinking, you know what? No wonder the world doesn't want anything to do with our God. Because they think He doesn't take care of us. And we've got to show a world that He's a great job taking care of us. We just do a not-so-hot job of accessing everything we have. So that's my challenge for you this week. So I end it with this. As you go throughout this week, my prayer is, that you remember that you are free from sin's condemnation as a believer, that you've been justified and made right in the sight of God, and live each day as free and righteous people, because that is what God has done for us. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's so easy for us to forget what you have done for us.
And Lord, we get so focused on the stuff around us and our circumstances and our situations and all that's going on that, Lord, we just lose perspective sometimes. So, Lord, do what you need to do to help us to kind of refocus and reshape some things. God, may we remember that you are in charge, that, Lord, you have given us so much. And, Lord, whatever we're up against today, you have given us the resources to be able to not just get through it, but to come out on top of it. So help us to do that. And, God, I thank you. For all you have done for us, pray that you would use us this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's